Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back into Jackrabbit Illustrated Splitting Hairs Podcast. We're the second part, the B team coming at you, going to give you a little bit of a wrap up on last week's action and look ahead to what we got upcoming. So going into just what happened here, I got my rocking co-host Ben, we're going to get going through this. What do you think of how uh, how last weekend went? Man, it, first of all, it was a blast being up there. You missed out big time by sitting in Fargo and watching the game. Um, tailgating was fun. <laughs> it was a pretty good atmosphere. I mean, considering you know it was the first regular season game for them, they really weren't that amped about it. So I was surprised, uh, you know, and, and it helped that it was a close game. Um, they kind of started to get into it once they realized they were in for a dogfight. But um, overall, I mean, I, I thought we looked really good. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of good things, um, especially from the new coordinators, you know, I mean, I loved how Eck came right out and did that, uh, little trick play on the reverse with Cade, got a big gain on that. Um, you know, I guess what, what stood out to you? <laughs> well, first off, gotta go with a low blow to start that I had to sit at home and go watch <laughs> the game. Um, but, uh, what really stood out to me. Uh, and I'll probably get into this a little later when we're going through some of the conference and national stuff, is just most of your close games with an FBS team, with an FCS team, if they're a Power 5 team, your one side of the ball tends to keep you in it, and you're just hoping for a break to go your way. And this whole game, it wasn't, uh, it, there was no sense of, boy, I hope the offense gets going, or boy, I hope the defense gets going. They were both dominating. And uh, I think it's a combination of a couple things. Our lines looked great. Um, I can't remember a time in a Power 5 matchup where both of our lines looked like they were just wiping the floor with them the whole time, at least especially in the second half, and that's probably what stands out to me. But, you know, beyond that, I really liked how Eck was able to get the ball to all the playmakers. That was my biggest question. I didn't know if that was going to happen. So he did a phenomenal job at getting the ball around, and holy smokes, they weren't kidding when they said they were going to blitz and stunt. That was that was nuts. That was awesome. And I don't think the Gophers are ready for that. I don't think they came out with a game plan. They thought they were just going to walk over, and they came out with a we're going to run them over. And once that didn't happen, the wheels started to fall off, and we just got tripped up by some freshman mistakes trying to do too much on one play and just a bad handoff on the other and really with Gibbs I was super impressed with how he threw that interception for pick six and came right back out we drove and then it was followed by a a special teams there that puts us way backed up and we just marched down the field score touchdown that was incredibly impressive to me to see a freshman in his very first game at Minnesota not feel pressure, not start trying to do too much after that. He settled right in, played football, and went and had a heck of a drive. Yeah, for I mean him for him to after he pressed the panic button when that snap rolled to him, um, which you hate to see that, but I mean it's a freshman mistake. Big game. He'll definitely learn from that. I'd rather have that happen in this game than against, you know, NDSU or something like that. So that was a good thing to get out of the way. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just 
to have the you know cojones to come back with a drive like he did um, in the third quarter after that was just awesome to see. Uh, just goes to show you know what kind of a competitor he is. Um, you know, as far as uh, some other specifics on how he played uh, early, you could tell you know a couple deep balls. There were some miscommunications where. You know, it looked like they were way off, but, it, you know, when, once you saw the replay, it was more, well, he thought the receiver was going to do one thing, the receiver did another, so the ball was off. Um, they'll they'll clean that type of stuff up. Um, and especially, it was it was awesome to see him punch in that first touchdown um, when he got to run it in after that first big drive. Um, it was just good to see him get some confidence, um, and it, if anything else out of this game, we definitely got him some awesome experience um, well, that will really help out going forward. And I think they did a great job of getting him in a rhythm. Especially I with agree. how the first drive went. Yeah, definitely. You know, they, gave him the, they gave him that backup. They gave him the, the run game and then short passes. And you could just see him as the game went on. He His confidence grew and he just got way better as the game went on. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, they definitely got him some good short passes early. Um, but, yeah, as far as our defense goes, you know, the front seven just looked stout. I mean, it's once we get in, you know, Missouri Valley play and stuff, I'm just excited to see how much they shut down other teams' run games. Um, you know, the, the D-line, just how deep it was. They kept, you know, rolling guys in and out of there, stunting, and, you know, it it was just awesome to see how much they dominated that big FBS line, um, and then the linebackers flying around. Um, you know, on the on the negative side, our cornerbacks looked pretty pretty green out there. Uh, hopefully, they can shore up some of that stuff. Um, especially, you know, uh, Gales and Gardner looked pretty rough. You know, they got um, especially on their tackling, they were pretty high. I think they'll probably clean that up. Um, so. You know, they looked to kind of settle into the game as the end of the third and fourth quarter. Um, so that was good to see. Right. And, you know, especially, I think it was almost a whole defensive backfield issue, not just the corners, because watching Manchikaya and those guys, they were tackling way too high. I don't know what they were doing. You, I, you didn't see many of the cut the legs out from under them type hits that you're used to seeing an aggressive corner make. I don't know. Um, some of it's they're young, but boy, I'd really like to see him more aggressive and really blow through a guy and bring some physicality instead of let, sitting back and receiving a blow like it looked like they were kind of taken a couple times. Yeah, my guess is that's a confidence thing as they as they become more confidence with their coverage and their and their play. I think we'll see some bigger hits and better tackling out of them. Yeah, I think you get to see him play play fast. Don't have to think and not worry about making a miss in the tackle and just start to play. That's that'll that should clean itself up, but it's going to have to, especially playing, seeing how you and I's played, and NDSU still got talent out there. They're they're going to have to clean that up for sure. That's not going to be a maybe. We need to clean that sort of tackling up at least. Right, but I mean, what what does help our young backfield is definitely the the defensive play calling. I mean, there were multiple times on like second and long, third third downs, where we had, you know, Roseboom and Bacchus up in the A-gap, A-gap, which you see a lot in the NFL, that double A-gap blitz, you know, and even if they don't blitz, you know, at least they're showing that and, you know, making the quarterback think, man, which one, which one of these guys is coming, which one's dropping in coverage. You're just giving them a different look than that old, you know, 4-3, man, I know what they're doing, I just got to find the soft spot. 
So, I mean, that was, to me, that was huge to see. And it's, uh, you know, I think it is going to make help our defense take that next step to a really, um, you know, a, a higher level FCS team. Yeah, that's going to be huge. And especially you can't let that quarterback settle in and make his reads almost before the play even starts. That's a huge deal. Keep him, make him think in the backfield and get him into some bad, bad deals. But that's why teams do that. <laughs> that's the whole point. Exactly. They yep. don't do that because so, it looks pretty. But, I mean, it was definitely refreshing to see because that's something we haven't seen in a long time. Um, right. You know, and, yeah, no, <laughs> long, long time. And when right. was the last time we saw two sacks with consistent pressure from our defensive line? Exactly. That was something that was something awesome to see. I mean, yeah, they burned us on a couple passes, but that wasn't there was a lot more times where they were in his face or he didn't even get it. He just had to throw the ball away because he didn't have a choice because the, the, the pass rush got there too fast. And I don't care if Minnesota's a good or a bad Big Ten team. That's that's something to do it against a team like that. It's not like they're out there playing uh, Kent State or somebody like yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Reese, Reese Winkleman definitely flashed. Uh, that Tolu, he was getting in there, which is awesome to see. He's got a lot of potential, just kind of need to get polished and – even Crockett, we got in there, which we didn't expect. Uh, so that was awesome to see him get in and uh, disrupt some plays too. So, yeah, oh, I mean, overall, I, I I'm pretty. You know, it sucks to lose, obviously, especially when we could have had it. But you know, it's going to happen with a freshman quarterback. Those mistakes, um, they'll they'll clean them up. Overall, I was pretty happy with how they how they played against a, a pretty decent FBS team. Yeah, and the, you know. I saw, I've seen over the summer and a couple times after this game that, oh, this is why we need a transfer quarterback. You, why? Because he was a transfer and played at a community college. He's going to jump into a Big Ten stadium and not have any nerves, not have any errors, anything like that. Or, that's just saying something to say something because we had a couple results we didn't like, in my opinion. You don't know if a JUCO is going to play any better, and you're bringing these recruits in for quarterback especially you're telling your team that recruiting class, this guy's going to be your leader. And then you go, Oh, now we're going to just pull in some dude off the street and go, all right. It's not like cornerbacks or an offensive lineman or a linebacker where there's multiple positions and you're taking away that one spot for that one position group that has locker room ramifications in my opinion. And I'm really glad that we do have someone like Jabori playing because you look at these other teams, your Sam Houston States, your Jacksonville States, um, and all these teams that are known for taking a bunch of transfers and it messes with their culture, you know? And so I think that's kind of a silly thing to worry about. You don't know what would have happened. Nobody knows what would have happened if we'd had a transfer. And Jabori played just as good as Ben DiNucci did for James Madison against West Virginia. (laughs) So I don't know what more you can ask of a guy in his out of, out of a quarterback to start the season. I mean, I remember I, some pretty rough draws for against an FBS team with a seasoned quarterback. Ryan Berry against, you know, Iowa State comes to mind. Yeah, I mean, it was awesome to see. Like I said before, you can just tell he's got that winning pedigree. Uh, the, the moment wasn't too big for him. And like you said, you know, when he made that big mistake, he came right back and had confidence, was making throws downfield and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited to see what he does this season and how he develops, and 
it's all, the the potential of having him for four years is uh is pretty fun to fun to think about. Yeah, it's exciting, especially with how he progressed over one game. I'm excited to see a, what it looks like over four years. It's going to be wild, for sure. So beyond that, um, I guess like we said, excited about to see what the Jacks do the rest of the season. Um, going into some of the other Missouri Valley games, um, unfortunately we couldn't help the Missouri Valley in, in this week. Uh, the as a whole, Missouri Valley went two and eight, which is a lot worse than than normal. Um, you saw a lot of overreaction on that. I think you know pe- people were saying, "Oh man, is Missouri Valley down?" Um, I think it was more a function of the good teams having tough games, and the the worst teams not just not coming through with their easier games. Um, so, I, to me, I, I'm not too worried about the Missouri Valley as a whole. Uh, I'm not either. Um, Sam Herder had a good article out about this this week on Hero Sports where. You had Western Illinois, Missouri State, Southern Illinois, and USD. USD, by the most rosy outlook of somebody who's not wearing a red shirt, was fringe playoff team. Then Western Illinois, Missouri State, and Southern Illinois are all bad. We know they're going to be bad this year. And they went and played fringe. A couple of them played some fringe playoff teams. And Western Illinois, we know, super down, went and got their butts kicked in after riding a bus. They took a bus for 10 hours to play a football game. That, you're not going to win. If it's a close game, you're not going to win. It takes too much out of you. Um, so really, this the, in, in general, I don't really care how the Missouri Valley does, to be honest. Outside of playoff ramifications, I'm not running around with an MVFC banner going, you rah, rah. <laughs> but... So these sort of results don't bother me this much, but I don't think it goes towards anything towards saying anything about the strength of the conference overall. That's just my opinion agree. on it. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I think, you know, outside of the teams, you know, like you mentioned that are on the lower lower side of the conference, I think the top side of the conference showed up pretty well, especially you and I um, going in as a, an 18.5-point dog and taking – Iowa State to overtime in which Iowa State had to have a late field goal to get to overtime so I mean that was a pretty big showing by UNI um, especially with the freshman quarterback there too Um, that was big for them to go into Iowa State and do that were you able to watch that game at all just the end of it is all so I I watched most of that game I had a couple hours to kill and the couple of pick takeaways I have from that game is UNI's defense is still UNI's defense. They're very good. That's what kept them in the game. Their defense scored their only touchdown in regulation. Um, their new quarterback, who is another freshman, is a tiny kid, but he can move. He likes to get out of the pocket. And once he's outside the pocket, he's real dangerous. He tends to try to expend a pl- extend a play over run. He must know he's small. He's like 5'11". He's not a big quarterback. Um, but I also think that the sometime down the road, you and I is going to pull what we did against NDSU with Taron the year we didn't run them until that game. I think they're going to pull that on somebody in conference. But the third thing that I noticed watching that game that's when I was talking about the differences in the games, that game it felt like you and I was holding on by the skin of their teeth, fighting through it. And don't get me wrong, Iowa State's a better program right now this year than Minnesota is in my opinion. 
They looked better. Their athletes were faster. Um, but that was a game against a tough Power 5 team where you're holding in and hoping for a chance at the end, whereas the, our game was we should be winning this by two, three touchdowns is what it felt like. So that was a great game to watch. You and I put up a hell of a fight and just barely came out on the wrong side of things. But they did, they did a great job, and that was definitely the most eye-opening game of the year. I kind of thought they were going to be good, but that one really popped. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't sure what to think. You know, especially again, they've got that freshman quarterback. You didn't know what to how they would look, but uh, like you said, they got that defense going again, and uh, they'll they're obviously going to be contenders again. Um, so they weren't able to pull off the FBS upset, um, and there was only one FCS team. Central Arkansas uh, was the only team that could take it, take down an FBS um, foe this week. So we'll see if we get any more this week. Probably not. Doesn't look like any uh, promising matchups, yeah. but uh, we'll talk about a few of the potential ones later. Absolutely. Speaking of so, picks, yeah, let's <laughs> talk about picks. I have decided we're gonna we're gonna rename this segment <laughs> "Fade Brendan Get Rich" because I mean that's all all you have to do is just listen to Brendan's picks and just do opposite of him and you'll make all kinds of money. So it's all part of my plan. If, if anybody's looking to make make a little dough this weekend, stay tuned to uh, how <laughs> what what Brendan's picks are a little later because well, you in, know what it is what. If I'm too, if if I if I pick these right, they're gonna know where all my income in my life is coming from. I'm gonna have to pay taxes. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. <laughs> they're they're always listening. <laughs> so to to recap, how poorly he did. He went zero and four in the out of conference games we picked. I He's went two eat. and two. I, I, yeah. I went two and two in those, and then Missouri Valley games. You didn't do as bad. You went four and five. I went five and four. Um, so overall, I went seven and six. You went four and nine. Um, which anytime I'm above five hundred, I'm happy with that. So that's pretty good. We'll see if we'll see if you can do any better this week. Um, but as far as as far as the games that we did pick, uh, a couple of surprising. Well, I think the most surprising one was how badly North Alabama beat Western Illinois. I mean, like you said, they had that long bus ride down there, probably because they're trying to uh, save some money and hold on to the sports program they do still yeah. have. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, them, North Alabama beating Western Illinois 26-17 and covering by 34.5 points was just, wow, eye-opening, I guess. I kind of thought that spread was ridiculous going in, to be honest. Um I knew UNA wasn't going to be a pushover, but they just didn't look that they, – they looked bad. I thought they were going to be bad this year, but they looked bad. They're going to be – it's going to be a fight for the last place between three teams this year. Yeah, I agree. When it's, and it sucks to see because, I mean, it wasn't that long ago and Western Illinois was kind of rising. You know, they were pushing to be in that top tier of the conference, but now, I mean, it just looks like they're way down – um, another big loss was uh, Northern Arizona took down Missouri State pretty big, 37-20, to 20, covering by 19.5. Um, and then Montana um, taking down USD at USD by 14. Uh, so, I mean, that 
I, I thought that was a lock of the week. Montana being underdogs in that game was kind of nuts to me, especially it got to six points. I mean, that was way yeah. too big in my opinion. Yeah, that was uh, that exposed some things in USD's in for long day, long weekend. With Montana's tearing you up like that, they they really revealed some weaknesses. And right, and then you're right on on that pick. Lastly, we go down to NDSU and Butler, which I don't know if you remember. I wish we could like play back the audio, but you talked about needing a late Butler field goal, and you didn't get it. <laughs> NDSU won by forty-seven they let me points. Down. <laughs> so you missed you missed the cover by point five points on that one. And I, I knew it. I, I, had that. I told uh, you, you don't get 48, you get 46 and a half. And that was the dis- difference. So uh, That was, the butler did it in the cities. <laughs> yeah. Well, it looked like NDSU had fun up there. If you uh, if anybody saw the picture that's been making the rounds of the NDSU fan in the streets. But... Hey, thanks. I thought I was over that. But no, I have to see <laughs> that in my head again. Thank you. <laughs> if we could never bring that up again, that would be lovely. Yeah, well, I'm sure it'll be brought up many times. No, just wait, just wait till we play them. Oh, well, that's a different week. Right, right. We'll leave that for then. So, outside of our picks, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the uh, AGS Top 25 movement, which um, you know is more of like a readjustment, I guess, um, since the the first poll is kind of a crapshoot. But um, yeah. I mean, for me, I don't even consider the week one polls having movement. We, for me, the week one poll should have no basis in the preseason poll. Because the preseason poll is just guessing. It's what it is. It's educated guesses. We know what people have coming back. We think people are going to be good, but we have no idea. And as a voter, you, my personal opinion, you should take all of it, throw it away, look at what happened, and vote off of that. The poll isn't supposed to be off of who you thought was going to be good. The poll should be off of what happened. Because if we're not doing a poll off of what happened, what are we doing? Yeah, slot voting off the preseason poll would be crazy to me. I think that would be a good idea, like you said, just throw out that first poll and go off this one. Uh, Because there were some pretty big movements. Um, You know, Walford and uh, Jacksonville State were the biggest movers. Um, dropping from the top 10 all the way to almost out of the top 25. Uh, which, again, if you didn't take the preseason poll into into account, I think you wouldn't rank them at all. But they're still hanging on in the top 25. Wolford at 23 and Jacksonville State at 25. Central Arkansas, after their big win against Western Kentucky, moving from 23 to 11. Um, UNI jumping up with their uh, performance against Iowa, against Iowa State, 15 to 8. Um, and then just another note, I guess, um, Eastern Washington dropped a couple spots um, like after the game against Washington, which isn't very fair because Washington's really good. And then uh, to fill their spots, JMU and SDSU slide up. So SDSU is up to number three now. Uh, and I'm you, were, gonna you were saying about pump. Jacksonville State? Well, I'll get to that in a second. I'm going to pump the brakes on the dropping two spots for Eastern Washington, personally. Um I put them before below James Madison and SDSU as well. And it wasn't because of how Eastern Washington played. It had nothing to do with that. 
James Madison and SCSU had their had power five teams on the ropes, should have won the game. Didn't. They lost. But they had a really good performance. Eastern Washington had what you would expect to happen against as good of a team as Washington, but it's not as much it's not punishing Eastern Washington. It's rewarding the teams that outperformed or did really well and put forth a number two, number three effort to move them up. It's not drop in my my opinion. There are times where teams drop. Jacksonville State's dropped. They lost to a team they shouldn't have by a they got walloped. <laughs> and they're in serious danger of, um, in the AGS poll, there's there's three teams at the top with the longest streaks of, of being in the top 25. Number one is, uh, yeah, don't thump the table, Brendan. <laughs> Number one is um, North Dakota State. Obviously, they've been up there for a while. Number two is South Dakota State, been there for 77 consecutive weeks. And then it's Jacksonville State with 76 straight weeks. Yeah, if they lose or people's votes change even a little bit on them, they look bad against Chattanooga, they're going to lose that and drop out. And I dropped them personally completely. That for southeastern Louisiana might be okay, but to lose that badly, you're not a top 25 team in my book. Now, the reason they're hanging on at the very end by the skin of their teeth is they're I still think it is an okay thing if somebody believes that it was a bad first game and they're going to come out and show it and they think they're going to prove themselves the next week or the week or two at the bottom of your poll. It gets real murky down there. Who are you going to replace them with? It's kind of a tricky thing to do. So I can see why they hung out at the very bottom where I have issues when they're in the stats poll and way up there. Like, what are you, what are we doing? but yeah i mean that's that's why a lot of people don't even put any stock into those polls at all but yeah and you know that's kind of why the ags poll is so good though you get that discussion you'll if you go on there check it out people you gotta defend what you did and it's a it's a good thing you learn a lot and you at least understand where people are coming from instead of the people behind the mask i would agree and I, I agree, you know, like you said, that Eastern Washington dropping two spots, you know, that was that's based on the preseason poll again, which, is, you know, like you said, is, you know, just kind of conjecture at that point. So, yeah, I mean, it was definitely merited for GMU and SDS, SDSU to, to slide into those two and three spots. So beyond that, um, I think we can kind of move into this week's games. Um a few of the notable games that we'd like to pick for out of conference. Um, a couple of them against FBS foes. Um, we got number nine Kennesaw State in the AGS poll at Kent State, and they're only three and a half point dogs. Um, so I mean that's a game that you know they, if they are what they were last year and they're bringing that you know into this year, they should you know be right in that game and potentially win it. I'm very much in a prove-it-to-me stage with Kennesaw right now because they lost that whole class that's brought them whole, all the way through the transition. We don't know how good these guys are. They played an NAIA team and whooped them. Well, yeah, so could Missouri State could whoop a NAIA team. So I'm not sold on them yet, but Kent State is awful. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> and that's why the spread is where it is. So Right. That's a tough one to pick. I'll go with Kent State. So you guys know what to pick. You're right. That. Well, I'm, I'm, I'll be fading you. I'm going to take Kennesaw State. <laughs> I, I, uh, I think they get another FCS over FPS win for us. So after that, we head in, head into number six, Maine at Georgia Southern, and Maine is a seven and a half point dog in that one. Um, I'll pick first in this one. I, I think that Maine is the real deal. I think I think they're at least going to cover anyway. Uh, I'm going to take them plus seven and a half. Yeah, I think that they are. They're for real. I think Maine is for real. I'll take Maine as well. So then we go on to SEMO, uh, number 16, at number 15, Montana State. This is an FCS-FCS matchup. Uh, a real interesting one to see kind of where both of those teams are. You know, I think the winner of this team will move up a ways in the pole, and the loser will drop slightly. Um, so kind of a, a differentiator there. Um, what do you think? I guess Montana State is a 7.5-point favorite in this one at home. That's a tough one. Um Simo did look pretty good in waxing Southern Illinois, uh, but it's at Montana State and it's the Gold Rush game, which is a huge deal there. Um, that's a big spread. If Montana State takes them by that much, Simo's not as good as people think. So I'm going to take Montana State. That's interesting. I mean, I, that seven and a half is tough because I, I do think it's going to be really. I think they're pretty evenly matched teams. I think it's going to be a close game. I'm going to go with a plus seven and a half with Simo, just because I think it'll be maybe like a field goal, three or four point game. So we'll see how that one goes. I think it'll tell a lot about both teams, and and it'll it'll uh, go a long way towards you know the winners' playoff chances. Yep, on the Missouri I mean, Valley. There you go. You want to kick that kick that off? Sure. Yeah. On to Dayton. Uh, Dayton is playing at um, Indiana State, ISU Blue, as we like to call them. Uh, it, Dayton is a non-scholarship program. Play, you know, you've probably heard of them from the NCAA basketball tournament, but they're not great at football. Um, they should be decent for a Pioneer team, but against the Missouri Valley team, no scholarships. That's why. Illinois, Indiana State is getting 19.5 points. Is that how you would say that properly? Their favorite is 19.5. All right. So, and I think they cover. <clears throat> I think they're going to be mad about what happened at Kansas. So I agree. I yeah, I mean, I think they should have won that game against Kansas. I didn't get a chance to watch it, but um, just, you know, with, with the way the score ended up, and I was looking at the, you know, the, the, the sequence of scoring and stuff, and it looked like a game they should have came out with, but, uh, yeah, I'll go with I'll go with them covering nineteen and a half. Then we got Howard playing at Youngstown State. Howard is an HBCU that's going to be transitioning into a scholarship uh, league. I can't remember what conference they're going to be going to, but I do know they want to have, be able to participate in the playoffs. Uh, Youngstown is favored by twenty three and a half points. That is a huge spread. So I'll let you cover, pick that first because I don't want to pick that first. I. I think Youngstown's going to keep their momentum going. Um, I think Bellini will have them ready for their first uh, home game there. 
I'm going to take Youngstown to cover 23 and a half, barely. I'm guessing they win by 24 or 25 there. Oof. Yeah, I'm going to go with Youngstown there too. I think they win by more than 24, honestly. Especially with how they laid the woodshed down on uh, Sanford. I think they're going to be itching to go and do it again. So, on to the fun game up here that we got up in Fargo. <laughs> I know a uh, good section of Bison fans are pretending there's not even a game happening this week, which I think is pretty funny. <laughs> but we got UND playing at NDSU. NDSU is favored by 30 and a half points. Which is just so so much disrespect. <laughs> that's a I mean, that's scene. That's like a... I mean, look at... You see some teams playing non-scholarship schools that have spreads like that. I mean, this is a right. this is a team that's going to be in the Missouri Valley Conference, and uh, yeah, I mean, are are they that bad this year, or are they just was it an overreaction to NDSU's first game? Last time they played, NDSU laid the wood to them, and I do believe UND's starting quarterback went down the first game, so that could be part of it. Definitely and plays into it. I don't know. But I will take the points in this one. Give me UND and the points. I I got to go UND and the points too. I mean, I, I feel like NDSU might actually cover the 30 and a half just because, you know, it's UND. They were making a statement. But, I mean, that's just a lot, a lot of points against teams that aren't that far apart talent-wise, I don't think. They shouldn't be that far apart. Well, we're going to find out in a fat hurry. See we'll see. <laughs> exactly. Then the next, go- the other goofiest line of the week to me is Southern Illinois at UMass. UMass is an FBS team, and it's only a four and a half point line after Southern Illinois got just walked on by Simo, who's not even a top ten FCS team. So I think you can tell where I'm probably going with that, but I'm going to take UMass to cover in that one. Yeah, I mean the thing is UMass isn't that good, um, but and I, I expect Southern Illinois to bounce back a little bit, um, but at the same time they're still an FBS team. I think they should be able to cover four and a half and win by at least a touchdown. Right. Pretty confident I mean, I in that one. Good, but <laughs> right. Southern Illinois isn't a good FCS team, so exactly. something's got to give there. Exactly. Then we got Western Illinois at Colorado State. Colorado State's favored by 11.5. Western Illinois, as we went over, is having a rough year. You want to pick this first? I can. I mean, I feel like it's almost a no-brainer, you know, with how bad Western Illinois looked. I don't think that was a fluke either. I think they are actually going to be that bad this year. Uh, Colorado State isn't amazing by any means but 11 and a half isn't that big for i mean we were we we were 14 point dogs against minnesota right uh, so i mean I, they're only 11 and a half point dogs colorado state so i gotta go with colorado state in this one give me the western illinois no i'm just kidding give me give me the rams i'll take colorado state <laughs> i was gonna say you're just going off the deep end now <laughs> taking the dive i gotta pick up some ground <laughs> Uh, so then we got uh, Southern Utah uh, visiting Northern Iowa with their new ranking in number eight. 
and Northern Iowa is a 24-point favorite in that one, which is a pretty large spread against a, what should be a decent Southern Utah team. I know they're not as good as they used to be, but at least you go ahead and pick that one. You and I should be. <clears throat> I think they're probably capable of winning by 24. I just don't think they do. They probably. I think they win by two touchdowns and not four scores worth of margin. So I'll take I'll take the points with Southern Utah. I'm in the same boat there. I think it's too big of a spread. I think it'll be you know they, they might be winning by 17 or 21. So 24 is too big there. The one that is not too big is USD going to number four nationally ranked <laughs> Oklahoma. And they're only thirty-nine point dogs, which that's incredible. It's, it's a big spread, but I mean, you got Oklahoma. I mean, they they were rocking last week. I yeah. think they're going to be rocking this week. Uh, I'll let you go ahead and pick this one, but I feel like I know where you're going. Yeah, I mean, what did Jalen Hurts account for six hundred some yards last week? Yeah, yeah. I think if they played him all game, he might be able to get a thousand. Right. <laughs> which I think that would be cool. But uh, I, I, I'm taking Oklahoma. I think they're going to win by more than 40, unless Riley's feeling really, 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 really nice. I think they win yep. by a lot. Yeah, I just I don't see any way on earth that USD covers 39. So, I mean, that's... If you're looking to put some money down this weekend, I would look there, because that's a pretty sure bet, in my opinion. So let's move on to uh, Moorhead State going to number 14, Illinois State. And that is a big spread at 44 and a half. Um, That's a big spread. Very, very big. Um, but I think I'm going to go with Illinois State. I think they'll bounce back after a tough game against Northern, Northern Illinois, which I thought they had a chance to get back into they started to get some momentum and then uh, they just kind of crumbled under the pressure late in that game so i see him having a bounce back game and uh winning by you know 47 or 50 yeah i think that illinois state's gonna bounce back and they're gonna play well i'm not hugely sold on their quarterback so i think they called the dogs off and they only win by 35 or, or so so give me more head state I respect that pick, and you know about the quarterback. That is one reason why I I'm not as high on him as I was to start the year, just because I saw the way he played, and I just not real confident that he's going to be able to lead them. You know, and I think that you know teams like SDSU and NDSU are going to be able to shut down Illinois State's run game. So I think it's going to be tough for them to finish in the top three this year, especially with you and I looking as good as they do. So, yeah, absolutely agree. We'll see how that goes. And then we finish up. Uh, we'll pick the spread first for the SDSU game, and then we'll give our actual score prediction. So SDSU is favored, they're number three in the polls, favored by 37.5 at home versus Long Island University, which is a, a new name in the FCS world. Yeah, and they're uh, immediately eligible because they had, since there were two separate locations that merged into one, um, they had several sports that did participate at the Division One level, so that's why they're an immediate counter for the NEC. The NEC uh, allows 35 scholarships instead of the full 63 allotment for FCS. Um, we've seen what happens when their programs come in to the Dana usually, but um, it's almost a little bit of a similar 
situation to when we played Minnesota this week, except not, but it's an unknown team that is was good at the level below, and we're not really sure what they're going to do because there's not a lot of film on them, and they got a bunch of transfers in from JUCOs. So they do have some dudes that could be ballers. Um, and after the Arkansas Pine Bluff game last year, I don't know if Stig's going to throttle down that hard ever again. So give me LIU with the points. It's surprising to me. Um, I, I agree, you know, especially after the Oxford Pine Bluff game where we scored was a ninety to seven or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't, I don't see that happening. But at the same time, I just don't think Long Island's going to have the athletes yet to compete against our run game. Um, I think they'll throttle down the passing, but I mean, you can only do so much. You can't start kneeling the ball. I mean, that would just be embarrassing for the other team. And I think that no matter who we put in the backfield, they're going to run all over these guys. I I have us covering the spread fairly easily. Um, I you know it's you mentioned that it's kind of similar to us going to play an FBS team, but it would only be similar if it was our first year in FCS. I mean, it's they're making that transition, and it's it's not as big of a transition as going from FCS to FBS, but it's still a transition, and sounds like they got a lot of new pieces. Um, I guess shout out to Matt and Kyle. They did a great breakdown on uh, mm-hmm. Long Island University as a whole, and then uh, definitely go check out Jackrabbit Illustrated's uh, blog post about Long Island. There's some good info in there. Um, and by yeah. the way, they have a sweet logo. Um, they made a, they're the Sharks, and I think their logo is one of the top in the SCS now, so they got that going for them. Cool. But, but I don't think it's going to help them when it comes to points. So I got I got SDSU covering that one. So I think you you probably know where I'm going with my prediction. Um, I'm predicting a pretty big SDSU win here. I'm thinking like fifty-seven to seven, something in that range. Um, I think it's going to be. It'll be you know get big early. We'll be up by four touchdowns. We'll try to slow down, and like I said, it's just there's only so much you can do, um, and I, I just don't think they're going to be able to stop our running attack. Yeah, I mean it could happen, but the other thing I think that's going to happen is we're going to see a lot more of the freshman use with the new redshirt rule. So hopefully we get to see a lot of those guys get game action. I know the coaches said they kind of learned from that last year. I think we're going to see a lot of those guys get experience. They're probably still going to move the ball, but I still, I still think that uh, we'll win something like forty-five to, you know, seven or fourteen or ten, where we give up a couple touchdowns with the fifth stringers at the end of the game, and everybody's going to walk away happy. And except for the people that bet on SDSU. <laughs> except, for the, except for you <laughs> exactly you sir you're gonna learn this week for making fun of my picks last week <laughs> karma's gonna come raining down on me right but it's first home game of the season i am amped i'm gonna tailgate my hinder off scream from the stands if you're listening to this get your butt up to the stadium have a good time watch the game if you were a fan who was mad about losing to the Gophers last week, you darn well better be at the game. 
you expect the team to put out a performance and maybe show up and support them with some performance. That's my opinion. That's, I that's like my it. soapbox for the day. Get your mind like up to Brookings. Go early. Walk by the tailgates. Someone will wave you in. I'm sure you'll see a large man with a cowboy hat wave you in. Oh, yeah. Come to the <laughs> Thumper and I. We'll, we'll both be in the library a lot. Um, either next to the library or along the row of trees, come and meet us. You know, we'll somebody will hand you a beer and some food, and you'll have a good time. Yeah, we're real people. We're worth meeting. I promise. Oh, for sure, <laughs> absolutely. So, All right. Yeah. Well, looking for with stadium to be full and people to be loud. I like it. All right. With that, go big, go blue. Hey Jackrabbit fans, Matt Tollefson here again with Jackrabbit Illustrated. Just wanted to say thank you for listening, for subscribing, for sharing. Uh, it was so great to meet so many of you at the at the tailgate at the Alumni Center up at the U. Uh, it was just a fun atmosphere. Uh, thank you for the feedback, thank you for the compliments. Uh, so um, look forward to continuing to meet more of you throughout the season. So again, as always, please like, share, subscribe. And uh, we really appreciate it. So let's get a W this Saturday and go Jacks.